0: The camera doesn't hide a thing. It's an unblinking eye until the second its shutter closes, and then time is frozen in an instant. The camera doesn't editorialize. It doesn't care what's in front of it or what the subject's beliefs are. The camera simply captures a moment. Whatever happens to cross its path is then preserved forever. One set of photographs, though, are important not because of what they captured, but because of what they lost, the incident occurred in October of 1937 on the island of Seljan, what is known today as Sri Lanka. That's when four men had made their way through the jungle to the Kataragama Temple. An artist, Mr. Brooke Farrar, was accompanied by three others. There was the photographer G.A. Smith, his assistant, Mr. D. Zowa, and a Sri Lankan government official who oversaw the expedition. The group had come to photograph and film what was going on at the temple as part of a detailed account they were writing of their travels the temple stood behind a massive stone gateway boasting three tall arches and it was surrounded by ancient ruins dating back as far as the first century bce however while it may have been the architecture that originally brought the men there that day it was something else that shifted their focus As they stepped inside, Brooke Farrar spotted a woman participating in a solitary, yet animated prayer. He described her movements as complete religious ecstasy. Music filled the room, and as it played, the woman used her whole body to express herself. Brooke Farrar moved out of the way to a staircase nearby and set up his camera. He filmed her as she danced throughout the temple. Smith and the government official wandered off to photograph the rest of the area. But De Zilwa stayed behind with Brooke Farrar to capture pictures of the woman as she danced. After taking almost a dozen photographs and shooting several feet of film, the woman disappeared. Because De Zilwa knew how to speak the language, Brooke Farrar told him to ask around about the woman's identity. Who was she? Where had she gone? It was as if she had evaporated into thin air. But nobody would answer. They kept silent, refusing to speak about her at all. Whenever Brooke Farrar or Dezilwa got close to someone, they would run away. But one man finally spoke up in private, telling them that the dancer was known as the Death Woman. She only came to the temple once a year, and anyone who looked at her was cursed. Brooke Farrar and his team weren't too worried about the hex brought on by their fascination, but the group of worshippers had them spooked. They watched the men with fear and anger boiling in their eyes, forcing the explorers to leave the temple before things escalated. Almost immediately after their return home, a party was thrown in their honor. Brooke Farrar, Smith, and the others talked about their travels with the other guests, especially about the woman they saw dancing at the temple. Upon mention of the photographs they took, it was suggested that the men develop everything right away to share with the other partygoers. So they obliged, assembling a makeshift darkroom in a coat closet, but as they developed each of the photographs, they noticed something peculiar. The temple was there, as was the group of worshippers. But something was missing. Well, someone. The woman who had danced with such unbridled joy was not present in a single photograph, nor on any of the film they had shot. Brooke Farrar and Smith chucked the equipment again, but everything appeared to be working properly. Had the young man they'd spoken to been hiding the truth about the woman, Perhaps it wasn't that she came from another village to visit the temple once a year. Maybe she appeared out of nowhere to dance and pray, before vanishing once more. Whatever her true story was, the team vowed to go back the same time the following year to try and catch her on camera again. It's unclear if they ever made it, though, let alone succeeded. Some moments in time are impossible to capture. Even if they are. A little curious.
1: Since every minute counts when you're a new parent, who wants to waste time washing bottles? Transform this daily chore with the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro, the first machine that automatically washes, sterilizes, and dries bottles, pump parts, and sippy cups at the push of a button. Its 20 spray jets clean everything 100%. Plus, it sterilizes with steam, then dries with germ-free air. Don't waste time on tedious handwashing. Let the Baby Bretza Bottle Washer Pro do it for you. Shop now at babybrezza.com.
0: We find the most surprising things when we're not looking for them. George de DeMestrel, for example, had returned home from a hike in 1941 when he noticed strange things attached to his clothes. They were little balls with pointy spines all around them, seeds from the burdock plant. George was inspired by how the hooks on the ends of those spines dug into the fabric, making them hard to remove. His discovery led to the creation of a popular fastening system that we still use today—Velcro. For two brothers in 1972 in Greenland, however, their discovery was less lucrative. Yet what they found was a breakthrough for archaeologists and scientists all over the world. Hans and Jakob were on a grouse hunt when they came upon two strange piles of stones. The stones had been arranged to cover two deep holes— Their curiosity piqued, the men started moving some of the rocks out of the way. Within minutes, they realized what they had unearthed. A gravesite. They put the stones back the way they had found them and called the police, assuming that they had stumbled into a crime scene. The authorities, though, took one look at the bodies and knew that they were not the final resting places of recent murder victims. These bodies in each grave were old. Very old. Very old. Director of the Greenland National Museum, Jens Rossing, eventually saw pictures of the graves and put together a team to exhume the bodies several years later. The area had at one time been home to an Inuit population that left hundreds of years earlier. Rossing dated the remains to be around 500 years old. In one grave, his team found three women buried on top of each other. In the other, they uncovered six women, arranged in a similar fashion— On top of the women, they also found the body of a young boy and the remains of a six-month-old baby. The clothes the corpses had been buried in were made of animal skins, like those of reindeer and seal. In total, 78 items of clothing were removed from the graves, but there was something unique about them, as well as the people wearing them. Due to the frigid Arctic climate and the frozen ground, everything had been impeccably well-preserved. There was fur on the coats and skin on the people's bones. They had hair on the tops of their heads, as well as on their eyebrows. Even their tattoos were still visible. Inside, their organs were still intact, and scientists were able to determine the last thing they'd eaten. In short, the bodies had been freeze-dried, turning them into mummies. As for their clothing, the bodies had been bundled up as though they were being prepared for a wilderness expedition. To their people, even after someone had died it was expected that they would continue to hunt on the other side. It was believed that the baby had been buried alive with its mother in order to spare it a troubled life of starvation. It's impossible to know the social situation this took place in, but knowing how difficult life was so long ago, perhaps there simply was no one else to bear the burden of one more mouth to feed. Instead, the Inuit of the Kilikitsak settlement chose to send their child into the afterlife with its mother. Near the first gravesite, archaeologists unearthed more bodies, as well as remnants of the homes they lived in. It was a discovery that shed new light on the ancient native population that used to live there. Sadly, the mummies were not placed back in their original tombs after the examination. But in 2007, a DNA test proved that the six women and two young children were all directly related. Today, they can be seen at the National Museum in Greenland, where they continue to draw quite a crowd. Now, that's what I'd call a family reunion. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show.